First Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks, to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so this is kind of an encouragement to us as Christians to be ready to talk about what Christ has done in our lives. And let's look at, or I'm going to keep this short because we're running behind, but look at Acts 26 really quickly. This is probably the best biblical example. Did you read this last week, Acts 26? This is probably the best biblical example of a three-minute testimony. I know Tim was talking about the three-minute testimony. The reason three minutes is great is you might not have more than that to share with somebody. And if you can kind of crystallize into three minutes what God has done in your life, uh, you're going to find yourself sharing the gospel through your testimony. Okay, Acts 26, here's Paul. He's on trial. He gets he, he gets the opportunity to defend himself. And instead of trying to prove that he's innocent, he goes into his personal testimony. Tim, you want to just read Acts 26? All right, everybody there? I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am accused by the Jews especially because you are expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. This promise our twelve tribes earnestly serving God day and night hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. And having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my votes against them. And I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus, with authority and commission from the chief priests, At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them uh, from the power, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout 
all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. That's about it right there. Wow. So that took exactly about three minutes, right? Wow. Paul was able to do what we're going to kind of briefly talk about here and then just get to writing it. He talked about what his life was like before Christ, uh, how he was raised a Pharisee, how he persecuted Christians. He talked about you know, who he was without Christ. He talked about what led him to put his faith in Christ, and this personal encounter in a very dramatic way with Jesus himself. And then he finally uh, discussed what happened after he received Christ, how that one encounter it totally turned his life upside down, that he was living totally different than he did before. He was able to include the entire gospel in there for the most part. He talked about Jesus dying for our sins, about forgiving us, about him raising from the dead. And that kind of cool to see how Paul was using the exact same thing that each one of us can come up with here, which is like a three-minute testimony. So that's a real good biblical example of somebody actually using a tool like this to share the gospel uh, in that situation in court. You know what I mean? But he was ready at a moment's notice to share his testimony of what God had done in his life. And he just used that opportunity. So another great passage to look at would be John 4. John 4, 39. You guys remember the Samaritan woman in John 4? Jesus speaks very dramatically into her life, very boldly, tells her all about her past. He, He makes himself extremely real to her. She puts her faith in him. She goes back and tells her city. She tells all the different people she knew about Jesus Christ and what he had done in her life and what he'd said specifically to her. Verse 39 talks about the result. So Acts 26 was kind of an example of a testimony. And this verse is probably the best I can think of that tells us the result of somebody sharing their testimony with a large group of people. You want to read that? Verse 39. And from that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things that I have done. Wow. So because of her testimony, many people trusted Christ. And so each one of you in here has a testimony, and God can use that to share with many people. And it doesn't matter if you've grown up a Christian and never done a bad thing in your life. I'm sure that you have tons of sin in your life that you're very well aware of that God has saved you from, and you're going to be able to relate with somebody, maybe somebody that grew up their whole life in church and is rebelling from God, or maybe they're not, you know? And maybe you have some crazy testimony of some dramatic thing that God's done in your life. I don't know what your story is, but whatever God's done in your life, God's prepared you for a reason, to be able to impact to be able to impact the people around you. A lot of times when we do this testimony worksheet with people, a lot of the Christian kids will always tell us, well, I grew up in church. I don't have a testimony. And we go, of course you have a testimony. Yeah. You, yeah. You know, has God ever forgiven your lust, your hate, your bitterness, your envy, your pride? You know, Has God ever forgiven your relig- religiosity? Has he ever forgiven your going through the motions? Obviously, God has worked in your life even coming from that background. And a lot of students that come from that background need to know how, even coming from there, they can have a personal experience with Jesus Christ and a personal relationship with Him. So no matter where you're coming from, God desires to use your testimony in powerful ways. 
and it's not less powerful than somebody else's because of your past. Does that make sense? God can use it just as powerfully as he can in anybody else's life. The point is is that people around around you desire to know what God has done in your life. You can talk theoretically about the existence of God and try and give philosophical and scientific proofs and all this, but all that has this kind of air of hypothesis to it, right? But when you talk about, when Nadine talks about, this is God working in my life, people can't argue with that. You might have heard this quote before. It says, a man, did you quote this at all? It says, a man with, with a testimony is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. I don't know who came up with that, but it's really true. It doesn't mean that there's not a place for arguing ideas. I mean, there's a place for that. But your testimony is something nobody can argue about that tells them very specifically how the God of the universe is working in a personal way in your life. And they cannot take that away from you. They can't. I I talked to students about uh, six years ago, we left our jobs. And for six years, we haven't had an official job, and we've never missed any bill. God has provided for all of our needs. And I tell students that, and and they can never say, that didn't happen. God didn't come through for you, Nate. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I've had one student say, oh, that's because of the aliens. What? Okay, I don't understand how aliens have anything to do with that. Another one said, that's because of the the, the great spirit. You know, you guys are being nice, so the great spirit provides for you. And I said, well, that great spirit is the Holy Spirit of God. And but So we might get different perspectives, but nobody can say that didn't happen. Right? Nobody can say that didn't happen. And so your testimony is a powerful evidence to the people around you of what God has done and is doing in your life. So real quickly, how to organize and write your personal testimony. Follow in the notes here, because and we have to be done in about 15 minutes. Is that right, Tim? Uh, we've got 20, 20 minutes or 20 so. 20 minutes or so? Yeah. Okay. Ask the Lord to guide you as you write. <laughs> Ask Him to give you wisdom about things that could that could make um, a connection with different people from your story. Because each of you have things that you might even see as insignificant, but they could be very relatable to the people around you. Uh, And prepare it in such a way that you could give it to different audiences, whether it be somebody you meet in the grocery store or a a big group that you might be able to speak to, like Paul was in court. Hopefully that's not your situation. Right, out of order. Out of order, you're done. Uh, Try to keep it within a three-minute time limit. It's just good because you're not talking forever. You can keep people's attention. And if you only have a few minutes, you you can get it it all out, right? So that's a good target, but it's not necessarily um, a law. It doesn't have to be exactly three minutes. But if you can get it there, that's good. Be realistic and honest about what you include. Think about the types of people that you're going to be speaking to most frequently. For me, I'm going to speak to college students most frequently. So I'm going to try and gear my testimony uh, or or write it in such a way that it would be pertinent to college students and other people. But if that's my main audience, I want to think about that. So think about who your main audience is, the people that you most typically talk to, and and keep them in mind as you put it together. Use a three-point outline to keep it straight in your mind. And those three points would really be, what was your life like before Christ? What was your life, or what led you to put your trust in Christ? And uh, what happened after you received Christ? Each one of those has to be real clear. Uh, When you're talking about what your life was like before Christ, talk about your attitudes, needs, problems, sin, what your life revolved around. Don't make that the focus. Christ has to be the focus of your testimony. But you need to share enough about who you were without Christ 
to convey what Christ has done in your life. And even if you grew up a Christian, like for me, I grew up in the church. I don't, I don't have this hardcore testimony of, man, I was a druggie and an alcohol and all this stuff. But I can talk about sin that, that God has dealt with in my life. And I, I know He saved me from that and much worse, right? So I can talk about different things that He is, uh, that He has forgiven me of and that He is working in my life to overcome. And so, just because you grew up in a church does not mean you can't talk about your life without Christ or your life before Christ. Each one of us is very well aware of that, right? Uh, but in the middle of that, um, keep your focus on Him, right? I, sometimes people get up and just talk about how they were the most evil person that ever lived and, and go through every detail of every sin. That's not what you're looking for here. You don't want to freak people out. You don't want to scare them. You don't want to try and glorify Satan through your testimony. Talk enough about who you are without Christ to show how you needed him. And then go to the next one, putting your trust in him. Be honest about how you came to that decision. And and do your best to include the, the gospel at that point. I always try to say... I try to summarize these four points real quick, just so that anybody hearing my testimony would be able to hear the gospel at the same time. Point number one, I'm going to say, gosh, from a young age, my parents told me that Jesus loved me. Okay? And the, no, the four points are in this little booklet, so you can keep them in there. There are some verses, I, I wouldn't make your testimony full of a million verses, but if you wanted to include a, an important verse or a good verse that could really tell somebody about how they can know Christ. There are some great ones here. You might have another one that you like a lot. God loves you, but man, I know I am sinful, okay? And that sin, I could sense it separated me from God. And I would even tell them, okay, some of the sin that's that's been in my life, pride, lust, envy, bitterness, gossip, unforgiveness, uh, anger, hatred, mm-hmm. all these things, right? These things are the predominant forces of most of our lives. Definitely, I've seen them in mine. And Christ, over time, continues to to remove those and to forgive me for them. So what happened? What's the result of receiving Christ? Well, he's removing those sins. He's providing for my needs. He is. I always tell people this on college. Jesus is more real to me than my own wife. <laughs> and that's, I think, shocking to them. Yeah. But for them to know that that you can have a relationship with God that, that that is that authentic and that real. See, the, most people don't have that kind of relationship with anyone. And to know that that's possible with God is important. So contrast who you are before and who you are after. Don't use big Christian words. <laughs> okay? Because if, ta- if you're sharing your testimony... Yeah. I, I had a student once. He wanted to do his testimony. And we were videotaping it. We were going to show it in front of a, a big group of non-Christians on a, on a video. And so he sits down, he has this big smile, and he says, I was sanctified by the blood of the slain Lamb of God. I just said, cut, 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 cut. He goes, what do you mean? I said, that's not going to work. He said, I I worked all day putting those words together so it would sound just right. And I said, yeah, well, might sound right to some, you know, very churched person, but... The non-Christians we're going to talk to you tonight, they're not even going to know what any of that means. And it sounds kind of creepy. You know, you're talking about blood and dead animals and things like that. Yeah, turn <laughs> people off right away. Yeah, if they're not coming from a Christian background, they definitely don't have a clue what you're talking about. Um, begin with an attention-getting sh- statement or short story. The, the, that, that's going to kind of bring your audience in. They're going to kind of want to hear what you have to say. And you all have something in your past that's 
attention getting that you could tie back to Christ. Okay? I have one. It's the only time in my life I was ever drunk. <laughs> okay? And, and I think that's a good way to start out this, uh, my testimony. I was at a snowboard convention in Las Vegas. Uh, the, the team manager kept putting um, Jim Beam in my Coke, and I, I had this fear man. I didn't want to look stupid, so I didn't say no. I woke up the next morning with puke all over myself in the hotel room. I don't even know how I got there. Um, I looked down. I had a "What Would Jesus Do" bracelet on my on my wrist. Okay, gosh, that to me was a wake up call. Where God said, "Nate, you've walked with me till this point, and you have this is your freshman year in college. You have the opportunity to to keep walking with me, or to really just let." Um, this this need for acceptance drive you uh, to do things that you don't need. And I said, you know what? Never again is that going to happen. And uh, right then and there, I, see, does that make sense? So, but that's an attention-getting statement to say, yeah, I woke up with puke all over myself having been drunk in Las Vegas. Most people would say, wow, okay. Right? But it's going gonna, it's gonna to get people's attention. Mm-hmm. Be positive from start to finish. Uh, don't just try to make this a big swamp or a big mess, but try to be positive about what Christ has done. Keep the emphasis and focus on Christ, not on you. Be specific, but give give enough details, but don't overemphasize sin. Be natural, be accurate, be honest. Include relevant and thought-provoking experiences like the one I just did. Uh, I think that would be relevant to college students because every one of them is there pretty much on a weekly basis. So it's establishing a little bit of a... Um, a, a little bit of credibility and a little bit of common ground with them. Use one or two scripture references, like I said before, but only if they really relate. Don't load this with scripture. And don't end your testimony with a scripture. Okay? Keep it in the body. End your testimony just really talking from your heart about what Christ has done in your life. Um, and think through that closing. Be really intentional about how you close it out. Uh, Usually when I close it out, I say, Jesus is more real to me than my own wife. I, I want to close it out in a way that they really know this is not fake. You know, Jesus is really real to you. Okay, and then you guys can keep editing this and rewriting it and adding things and, and such as much as you need to. The point isn't just to have this written down somewhere, but to write it out and think it through enough that you could share it if you needed to. So let's just take a few minutes. We have about ten and work through a few of these things. At least get started and go from there. So write an attention-getting sentence or paragraph. What is an attention-getting sentence from your past that you could start out with? I have one. Okay. Um, well, actually, all three. What was your life like before Christ? I was a I-can-fix-it person. Mm-hmm. I can take care of every problem there is. And I was a nurse, and so I thought I could really fix it. Wow. But the second part, what led you to put your trust in Christ, it was a major problem that I had that I could fix. Yeah. And then what happened after, when I decided I was helpless, then he came along and, you know, he gave me <coughs> trust and trust mm-hmm. and peace and comfort and, and somebody to be with me that I could say, he can fix it. Mm-hmm. It just came to me with you saying that. Yeah. See, and it's relating it. I used to be a fix-it person. I realized I couldn't fix it, but he could fix it. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Anybody else? Tension-getting statements. I was a drunkard. You were what? A drunkard. Uh-huh. And a lonely person. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who else? 
Sometimes it helps break the ice. What is your religious background? Yeah. Ask a question mm -hmm. to know where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. I went to church every Sunday, but it was partly to please Mother, not not to mm -hmm. to please God. Mm -hmm. You know, and I didn't really realize that at the time. Mm -hmm. I've just been thinking about that lately. You know. Yeah. I went to church, and it wasn't even for God. That kind of gets people's attention. Wait, isn't that why you go to church? I mean, I don't really, yeah. I don't really know. I haven't really, yeah. really figured that out totally. Yeah, I would say that if you don't know for sure, then you can probably assume it wasn't fully for God. I mean, if you were fully yeah. doing it for God, uh, you couldn't miss that. It was just expected, but, you know, that we yeah. get up and we go to church. That yeah. was just the routine. But it stuck with me all my life that I always felt the importance of going to church. Yeah. So, you guys, think... Think through an attention-getting sentence or paragraph. I shared mine with you. You each have one. And then what was your life, life like before you received Christ? Or how many of you grew up in, as a Christian? You kind of were raised that way. Okay. Number of us. For all of you, maybe instead of just saying what your life was before you received Christ, if you don't remember that real clearly, I was a nasty little four-year-old. <laughs> Full of sin. Tim knows. He wasn't nasty, but, but he could talk, man. I'm telling you, I got to talk when he was 40 years old. So, yeah, if, if, um, if, if you don't have a, a history before you received Christ of, of, uh, of a lot of sin and all that, talk about who you, know, who you are aside from Christ and what you've seen in yourself. Uh, I, I shared some of those. Can you guys relate to what I shared? Have any of you guys ever struggled with lust? All you men have to say yes, it's mandatory. <laughs> How about pride? Have any of you guys ever struggled with pride? How about gossip? Bitterness? Anger? Unforgiveness? Envy? Hate? All these. Yeah, it's just yes, yes, yes. Um, when I realized the gravity of how evil that stuff is and what it's led other people to do, sometimes I'll include in my testimony... My family sins. What What's in our family? And, and my extended relatives, we have physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, mental illness. We have not to say that's a sin, but it, it's something that God has protected me from, um, mental illness. Uh, we have alcoholism, drug abuse. We have divorce. We have broken families. <laughs> you name it, it's there. If you combine all that with the sin that I've recognized in my life, you're looking at a really bad person. And I'm not that person, and it's because of Christ, right? So just because I didn't have this long, bad history before Christ doesn't mean I can't share the, the fact of who I am without Him. Well, I think a lot of us probably grew up in a Christian home, mm -hmm. but really didn't understand what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then we come out of the nest and, well, let's party, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then later... You meet somebody like this, and, well, maybe there is something to this Christianity. <laughs> and you get back into it, you get into the flow. And Flirt to convert. But even at four years Flirt old. Flirt to convert. <laughs> That's cute. Even at four, year old, four, year, four years old, you, you have that written on your heart. When you disobeyed, you knew it. You knew, yeah. There was oh, yeah. always something. I knew I wasn't supposed to get in that barrel of grease. Yeah. And I did it anyway. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you're guilty from, from the inherent sin yeah. of, of the law of fallen man. And be, be vulnerable, guys. Like, 
when, when you share your testimony with people, people are looking for honesty and vulnerability. They don't want a sugar-coated version of who you are. So don't overemphasize your sin, but don't underemphasize it. Be honest about, really, who are you without Christ? Okay, what led you to put your trust in Christ? Why did you give Him control of your life? And how did you make that decision? And briefly summarize the gospel there. Those are personal things where you came to that point of decision. A lot of times I'll explain it as a marriage to people. Because college students, they'll say, I pray. Isn't that what you're talking about? I pray. Or, you know, I, I try to be close to God, you know, when I'm out hiking in nature. And I'll say, well, here's, it's kind of like marriage, I'll tell them. There was a time where I saw my wife, we'd never even met, but I thought she was cute. <laughs> okay? Might be you and nature seeing, man, there are aspects of God here, and He's awesome. You haven't even met yet. And then we met, and we actually talked. And that's kind of like you praying maybe every couple weeks and saying, God, help me on this test. My wife and I, we, we barely knew each other. We talked, and our, our relationship continued to progress. And then we were actually dating, and we were pretty close. We talked a whole lot, and she was very involved in my life. And then uh, there was this point in time where we made a commitment to each other, where we got married. And I'll say, before that marriage, we were not married. After that marriage, we were married, right? Before that marriage, we, we did talk. We did hang out. We weren't yet married, though. And a lot of times it's good for students to realize that, and probably people, you know, they might pray, they might go to church sometimes, but there has to be that defining moment like Tim was talking about. And until then, they're kind of tiptoeing around, but they haven't solidified that relationship yet. But summarize whatever it takes to share that gospel and how you came to that point. And if you don't remember an exact prayer, you probably remember an exact time frame in your life where you began to walk with God and He became extremely real to you, right? So, talk about that. Okay, what happened after you received Christ? What changes have you seen in your life? And, and again, be honest and, and don't feel like it's proud to be able to say, gosh, I find that... that uh, I don't lust like I used to lust. I find I don't drink anymore like I used to drink. I, God has given me power that I never had on my own. Be, be honest about how He's helped you. It's not pride. It's really helping them see uh, a solution that they've never seen before. You guys all have some of that? You guys, are things coming to mind as you look through these little points right here? We could write a book. Yeah, you could. The hard point, The hard part won't be getting stuff down, but getting it into three minutes, right? Yeah. 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 And then write, what's that? You could. You really could. And then... Let me ask you this. If we do this, I'd like someone in this class to stand up in church and share their little Absolutely. Would someone want to do that? Right after Labor Day? Not me. Not Paula. <laughs> oh, you're so you and Paula, you're so uh, good I, at no, it. No, I, want you to, I want you guys to pray about it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And say, God, would you want to use me like that? We need to we need to well, that would build uh, our we confidence. want to infect the whole church with this whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay? This is the object of the leadership at this point. We want our church sharing the gospel, sharing their testimony. We want to begin to be effective. Mm-hmm. to testify to the whole community. Mm-hmm. So we need to infect the rest of the church. And we'd have to practice here first mm-hmm. in a small group. And maybe several could do you it. Know, it you know, yeah, well, we could do it yeah. several weeks in a row or something. Yeah. You know, we've, we've got time here. I mean, this is we, 
we don't have a certain thing we have to do in church. We can do a lot of things. But I would just, I want you to pray about that and say, God, would you want to use me like that? And, and give your testimony. And not only, there might be unbelievers in, in the group. Oh, yeah, could be. You know, and, and you might affect someone's life. But you also, te- you're teaching other people how to do this. You know, just by example. Mm-hmm. So. That's, I, I would encourage all of you to do it. It's taking a risk, and you're going to grow on that risk. So let's come up with a good closing statement, too. Well, one thing I would uh-huh. say just really quick was, what I, just looking over this and just hearing everybody, I mean, just, it's, sometimes we forget how much God's done for us. Yeah, that's why. And how real He is, and mm-hmm. He meets our needs. And so to me, just seeing all this stuff, and instead of rushing through it, I really want to take time mm-hmm. and just recall that, everything God has done for me and and I think if we keep that fresh in us that helps us just share with people because it is who we are and it is Mm -hmm. what God did for us and I think it's going to help me tremendously in Psalm 51 David says that he says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And that is what we're talking about here. Okay, I'm going to do it real quick. This will be three minutes. Yeah. Okay, 11 years ago, I woke up in a hotel in Las Vegas with vomit all over myself. I couldn't remember how I got there in the first place because I was so drunk the night before. It was the first time I'd ever been drunk in my life, but the reason I got drunk is I was so afraid of what other people thought of me that as they gave me alcohol, I couldn't say no because I didn't want to look like the weird one. Okay. Now, the reason that was the first time that happened to me is because I grew up a Christian, and at a pretty young age, I made a decision to trust Christ. My parents would tell me often about how God loved me, And they also told me about how I was sinful. And even as a four- and five-year-old boy, I knew that I was sinful because I knew that there was a lot of wrong that I'd done. I was analytical from as far back as I can remember. I went on to get a chemistry degree. I'm a very analytical type of person. So even at the age of four, I remember thinking through this issue and should I put my trust in Christ or not. And I remember my parents almost pestering me about it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. And I waited till I was the very old and wise age of five to put my trust in Christ. That might sound funny, but it is true. I really thought it through as much as I could at that age, and I know it was very much a real decision that I came to. I didn't always walk perfectly with God. I know that as a boy and getting into my teenage years, I would struggle with different issues. Probably the biggest issue I struggled with was doubt. I think my analytical mind caused me to doubt a lot. And I really doubted my faith. I doubted what my parents had told me. And that drove me to really know for myself. And so I began studying and studying and studying and trying to find the basis for what I believed. And God always showed himself true to me. And the more I searched, the more I found he was always trustworthy. Doubt was a big sin, but there are many others too. Lust was a huge sin. Pride was a huge sin. Envy was a huge sin. Greed, hatred, anger, bitterness, all these things consume me. And I remember having thoughts that I would be afraid to admit in this room. But as I walked with God throughout those years, those early years, and until now, I've watched God changing me and and changing me from the inside out. It all went back to the day when I was five years old when I accepted His gift of salvation that He paid for by dying on the cross for my sins. And I said, yes, I opened the door, come into my life. 
Save me and make me the kind of person you want me to be. From that very age, he began that process. He began making me the kind of person he wanted me to be. And he's transformed me. I know today I'm not the same as I used to be. God has taken away so much of that sin, not to say that I'm perfect, but he's taken away so much of that and he's replaced it with the fruit of the Spirit. And that's his promise in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It's him working through me. And today, God has blessed me with the most amazing wife on this planet. And together we get to serve him in full-time ministry. And it's a joy that I dreamt about since I was a young kid. And because of God's work in my life, he's brought me to a point where he could actually use me. And I know the man I used to be, he couldn't use. But the man he's making me to be, he can use. And I can tell you with confidence that he's more real to me today than the chair I'm sitting in, in this room that we're in, or even my own wife or daughters. And I love him more than I can ever imagine. So that's my three-minute testimony. I think it was right around three minutes. I hope it gives you a little bit of encouragement about how even coming from a a real Christian background, you could work your testimony out in such a way that it'd be relatable to whoever you're talking to. All right, guys, it's time to go. (laughs) Should we pray real quick? You want to close it out, Tim? Father, we're so grateful. We're grateful for this great salvation you've given us. and We're learning and exploring, trying to understand how the best and most effective ways to share this with others. And we pray that you would help us do that. And we pray for our entire church, that our entire church would learn these things and and be able to share and be effective in, in testifying to the resurrection and power of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and so, Lord, we... We pray you'd be with us, and we pray you'd empower Marvin today as he <laughs> as he preaches the Word of God, and that it would give life and strength to all of us, and and uh, that our our worship and praise would would be uh, um, a, a blessing to you today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.